The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Here Comes a Thought podcast, the podcast that puts together Steven Universe and psychology and other things. I am Jan Ramos, and I am accompanied by cartoony superhero Kat LaForgia. Hi! And Watermelon Society God creator being Mark <laughs> Quiddies. Wow. I like how you call her a superhero and you call me a god. I like that. I approve well, I, I always give it to Kat, so this time it's you. And we're all coming straight to video because we're discussing three episodes today, aren't we? Yes. By yes. the end of this, we are going to be loopy. Oh, probably. 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 I think we're already a little loopy. Slightly. Slightly loopy. <laughs> So what episodes right. are we discussing? Um, so we're going to be discussing Garnet's Universe, Watermelon Steven, and Lion 3 straight to video. Um, so episode 33, 34, and 35. Guys, we're we're over halfway done with season one, guys. We're almost there. I can't um, wait. And we're going to get Josue to do another episode with us before the end of the season, right? Yes, we'll, we'll, we're we're going to attempt to coerce him back on here. I know that he was very reluctant to do our special. Oh yeah, sure, so reluctant. Yes. He didn't want to, and we had to force him. <laughs> exactly, we had to like tie him up, bring him over to John's house, and, and make him sit down and, and record. <laughs> oh yeah, we had to tie him to a chair and put the mic in front of his face. As he asked us, so am I going to be on your episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so anyway. So should I just go straight into Garnet's Universe? I guess, yeah, go straight into Garnet's Universe. Let's get, let's get cracking on this. I mean, Good do you guys thing I talk- just watched these episodes. I mean, do you guys want to talk about what you've been up to recently? Are we doing, are we doing a community catch-up, uh, HCAT style? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, we could if you wanna. I, I mean, I got a new car. That's about it. Ooh, new car. Go you. New car, new payments. I've been <laughs> hardcore studying for my test on June, which will be one of the last tests I'll have to take before I become a medical doctor. Yay. So we are very proud of you because we know you're going to like totally... Totally, 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 totally ace that. So no problems with that. And me, I've just been uh, pretty much school and work. Um, yeah, school and work. Ain't that the dream? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's the most eventful catch up I've ever heard. <laughs> No, I right? can't. I, I I don't think I have anything new to talk about in my life. So everything that I always say, school and work, is that's all I've been doing is school and work. Oh, actually, no. Um, one of um, I I was gifted 
a a cute little ceramic tile by uh, by a client, which was really cute. They they made it for me. Um, That's nice. Yeah, they actually made the whole thing, like created a ceramic tile and everything, and painted it and the whole nine. So, and that was actually one of those moments where I was going through, like that whole day, I was actually talking to a friend earlier that morning about how I have these really bad days of like imposter syndrome. And I keep thinking of like, why am I doing this? And I don't even understand why I'm trying to be a therapist or why I'm trying to get my license. And I don't think I'm doing any good. And uh, they were just that gift and what they said to me kind of got me out of my funk. (laughs) That's nice. And made me cry. (laughs) That's important. If it made you cry, it's important. It made me cry, so it was important. Yeah. If it didn't make you cry, you could throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, And I actually have, uh, I mean, I actually have uh, a few article, like art projects that a couple of my clients have created for me. Um, And every once in a while, when I have these moments where I get down on myself, I kind of take those out because I don't have my own office like I used to. Um, so when I used to have my own office, I used to kind of had them on display, which was a lot easier. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, so now they're kind of like rolled up and put away. Um, but yeah, I think when when I go back and finally get my own office again, I think I'm going to do a, a section of like artwork and I'll put that up because yeah. I think it's very important for um, me to have that up to remind me that there are people who think I'm important in their life that I am not related to. <laughs> you know you're important to us, though, right? Aw, thank you, guys. You're not related to us in any way. No, I'm not, which is which is really awesome. You guys are, are the new family that I've, I've just collected, which is really cool. Yeah, don't worry. We're all going to be at each other's throats in the next couple of years. It's okay. That's how families that's, work. That's fun. exactly. That's how families work. <laughs> so, All right. let's get into uh, Garnet's Universe. Y- yes. All right. So, Garnet's Universe. I just watched these episodes, so I am going to be on top of my game today. So, Garnet's Universe is basically uh, Steven uh, doing a rendition or his own take on what Garnet did that day uh, after she arrived back at the house with a bubbled gem. So this is very cartoony. It's got a lot of uh, pop culture references. We have like Mario backgrounds. We have like very like, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of animation you'd call it, but it's very like. Uh, it's very like chibi anime. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> like there's there's so many different like little references like uh, when they're traveling and like you just see like their heads and you, and you see like the, the dotted lines like that reminded me of like Emperor's New Groove. Uh, we have like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, all that good stuff. So anyway, uh, this is Steven's take on it. And, um, so Garnet is with her two animal friends, Hopper and Hoppy. Don't get those two mixed up because they're very important. (laughs) And, uh, after they, they're on the, like Garnet's on her quest to capture the gem. Along the way, they come across, uh, a man named Ringo and Ringo is saying how he was the protector of the shrine, but this fox came over and uh, took the gem uh, and basically kicked him off the shrine. 
So now they're trying to go help Ringo, and when they first get there, Garnet is overpowered is overpowered by the fox, and uh, so this requires Garnet to start training some more. And this is where she uses the motive uh, the motivation of Stephen and wanting to go home to him because she admires him greatly in Stephen's like world here, where it's like he's the center of everything. Uh, Garnet gains massive amount of strength from all like these weighted clothes and and gauntlets and stuff. And then she comes back, easily overpowers the fox, and only to find out that the fox is actually the guardian, and Ringo is this evil being who steals the gem, gains ultimate power, does a Sailor Moon transformation into ultimate Ringo, takes <laughs> Hopper, Hoppy, and Garnet to his Ringo zone, because I guess this Ringo zone has just always existed, and he just m- managed to n- know about it and transport everybody there he created his own dimension like the shadow realm maybe the shadow realm (laughs) maybe um and then it's in this where ring ultimate ringo i should say is at his most powerful easily overpowers hopper and hoppy and garnet tries to fight him but it's just not enough and she pulls out the photo of steven that she has and then ringo promptly turns it into an onion ring and eats it this causes Garnet to fly into a massive rage, uh, basically turning into a Super Saiyan with extra big hair, and easily overpowers Ringo, gets the gem back, and that's the oh, wait, wait, wait. end of the Wait, Don't forget we find out that the hair is weighted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Garnet's always wearing weighted clothing, just like Goku. Yes, but the hair is weighted. It's her fro. That's what's <laughs> weighted. Yes. So not just the clothes. That's her power limiter. (laughs) Exactly. Power levels have no meaning. Yeah, exactly. And so after they get the gem back, Garnet comes back to the house and that's it. And then Garnet agrees that that's what happened. And then when Steven says, really? She's like, no. And that's it. That's the end of Garnet's universe. So, um, and these episodes... So the next couple of episodes don't really have too much psychology in them, but we can go into a lot of the family aspect of it. So in this one, we can go into the developmental aspect of it. Um, so in this, we see with um, Steven, this is where... <laughs> so in this episode was where I got confused. So when I first started watching Steven Universe, I did not watch them consecutively, Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know his age. And since he was so much smaller than his friends, I just assumed he was about four or five. Um, because this is extremely magical thinking. Um, which would be appropriate. This storytelling, this type of storytelling would be appropriate for that age group. For his age group of 12 or 13, it is supremely inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. That type of magical thinking is where we start going, okay, so you need to socialize more. (laughs) um, And we need to look at what past traumas you've had in your life that have um, stunted you and stopped you from developmenting, uh, I'm sorry, developing since age four or five. Because that's usually what happens. So, um, 
physiologically, when a trauma happens at a certain age, the brain can actually stop developing. Um, and, and not so much that they just stop growing, but developmentally, they're pretty much stuck at their, at that age. So where they may be getting the same education as everybody else their age, socially, they're still pretty much the same they, as they would be as whatever age they were um, at, when the trauma occurred. So if he would have came to any type of therapist and he's coming with this type of magical thinking, they would start going with, okay, did a trauma occur at the age around four or five because this is magical thinking? So we kind of think, okay, well, this would be appropriate for a four or five-year-old. So did something happen around that age? Yeah. Which we don't know if that was when. So we have assumed that at some point Greg just said to the to the gems, you know what? You guys need to take over it because this is gem stuff and I don't get it. So is it possible that at four or five, this is when all that gem stuff started happening? And that's when Greg kind of just uh, abdicated the role of parent. I have a question though. Yes. Is this... Is this story that he made up not feasible in this world? Yes, it's not feasible in this world. Why? Because we have not seen, up until this point, we have not seen talking animals. I mean, but maybe they're gems that look like animals if gems look like humans. Up until this point, we have not seen this. Okay, sure. I'll I'll give you that. But just to be clear, it's... This doesn't mean that in adulthood you can't um, daydream or play make believe, and uh, you it, are completely correct. But he is literally saying this yeah. is what I think is what happened during your day. Yeah, exactly. I think that the main <laughs> problem here is it's we have to understand whether he actually believes this with conviction or if he's just making things up because. Um, it sounds like the funnest version of what could have happened. Now, if he's just saying, hey, this is my story, and I'm just going to tell you a funny story to joke around with, this is what I think Garnet does during the day, because, hey, I don't know what you do when you're not with me, and I just feel like making up the most insane story in the world to see if you'll tell me what, what you really do when you're gone... You know, first yeah. off, it's Garnet, and he should know better. But again, that also goes back to he's 12 or 13. He doesn't know any better. Um, but this also goes back to he's also very self-centered if he hasn't really gotten to know the people that he's with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's made up this giant, this giant story. And it could be, you're right, it could be a, a story where he's trying to get her to tell him what really happened. But at this point, he's just saying, hey, what, you know, what did you do during the day? And she said, why don't you tell me what you think I did? Yeah, and that's what he said. And this is what he said. Yep. So it didn't start off like, hey... I made um, up the story. I made up it. the story because I have no clue what you're doing. 
it started off as what did you do while you were gone? Because I have no clue what you do. <laughs> yeah. So, oops, sorry. Sorry, my pop figures are just kind of crashing <laughs> around. <laughs> so all that banging was um, Black Widow apparently is not the most nimble assassin you think she is as a pop figure. And it's probably because her head is massive compared to the rest of her body. <laughs> so, yeah, this this episode is just a ton of fun. All the, all yeah. the references, it's like a geek paradise. Um, so. But th- I don't think there's a lot more to discuss in terms of themes. So, well, actually, so what I was going to say with Garnet, though, is so if we go back to the so again, going back to I didn't watch this consecutively. So when I originally first started watching this and believing that he was so much younger than what he really is. So again, I'm coming at it from many different points of view. So when I first started watching it, and I said, Oh, he's a really little kid. I said, Oh, well, Garnet's a really good mom. She's listening to this really silly story that he's made up. Um, just to play with him. Um, and then, you, you know, Fine, she finally tells him, no, that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, But she doesn't call him stupid. She doesn't say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She doesn't make fun of him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, the other thing is, as we start, as I started realizing he's a lot older, it may be a little problematic what Garnet did. So, okay. So let's say, yes, socially, he's still, he's stuck developmentally. Mm-hmm. So maybe Garnet should have told him, okay, Stephen, was, you know, this maybe should have been a discussion. Do you really think this is what happened? And Stephen said, no, I was joking. Or Garnet said, that's a really great story. You are crazy creative. And then, you know, we know, of course, this was completely fiction on Stephen's part. But the fact that Garnet's just like, no, and never kind of questions it becomes problematic because it becomes one of those things like, all right, you're just allowing him to continue with magical thinking and he's 12 years old. He's supposed to be 12 or 13. I never remember. Um, he's 12, right? No, I think he's 13. In he's 13. But because so, he had too many birthdays. Yes. So he's 13. Um so he's 13 years old. He definitely shouldn't be thinking these thoughts. Um, you know, he should have a grasp of reality at this point. Garnet should have grounded him in some sort sort of reality. So on one, again, so on one spectrum, she's a really good mom saying, hey, you know, of course you're the center of my world. And that's exactly what I did. If, yes, he's a small kid, and then afterwards, of course, you know, no, it's not what it's not what I did. Um, but on the other hand, if now, now me realizing that he's 13 years old, okay, maybe this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And he does believe that he's the center of Garnet's universe. Um, because throughout the story, he, he sort of makes the story all about how Garnet has to sort of 
build up the strength to tell Stephen how much he loves her because he means everything to her. Yep. So and 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 again, it become it's that it's it's that childlike narcissism. I'm the center of the universe. Again, that's more appropriate for for a five year old. Because when you're that young, yeah, you are kind of the center of the universe because we have to be concerned about, are you going to, like, run into the street? Are you going to, like, open up a drawer with something that you you shouldn't be opening? And it's a ton of different things, but it's also, like, exploratory and learning new things and new experiences. So it's, yeah, you know, so, again, there's a lot of things that that four or five-year-old's where you'd say, okay, yeah, understandable where they would think they were the center of the universe. He's 13. So again, if we say, we go back to that, like, okay, so is the child, you know, so this is again me going, so was it a traumatic event that Greg kind of said, okay, you're going to live with the gems now? And if so, was this, did this happen when Stephen was about four or five years old? Yeah. Because he does a lot I guess lot only of, time will tell with that. But he does a lot of things that a four or five year old would do. And that's where we would say, developmentally, he's still kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And that is my synopsis of sort of the family aspect of... Garnet's universe. Everybody, a round of applause for Cat. You know, you went a lot longer than I thought we were going to go with just Garnet's universe. Well, the uh, Garnet's universe and uh, and straight to video are the only two that I have like massive things on. Yeah, you should have the watermelon helped me with these notes, Cat. Yeah, why right. you do such a good job? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you look these this these notes are only three pages long as opposed to the the standard five. So <laughs> you obviously had a lot of thoughts on Garnet's universe. Yes, I did. All right. Okay. So now we are talking about watermelon Stephen. Watermelon watermelon Stephen, which I ate watermelon Stephen today, and he was delicious. That. Is a, an atrocious act you That's just committed. Ethically interesting. Delicious. <laughs> My right. dog ate him too. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Poor watermelon Steven. Distract the audience, Mark. Go. Okay. Yeah, so, so you get that morbid thought out of your head, guys. We're going to talk about Watermelon Steven. So the episode opens up with Steven and his dad. They're just, you know, chilling at the car wash eating watermelon. At the car wash. Exactly. <laughs> so they're 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 sitting there chomping on some watermelons and they're you know spitting out the seeds, trying to do all these crazy tricks. And then uh, at the end of it all, Stephen does this insane move by sitting there basically ingesting like three quarters of a watermelon worth of seeds, and then doing this hurricane seed blast that spreads watermelon seeds everywhere uh he's then crowned the king uh, of uh the watermelon seed spitting tricks from greg 
Uh, he then falls asleep with uh, outside the, the car wash, and he wakes up to notice that an entire field worth of watermelon have suddenly just magically grown right there at the car wash. And they all start to resemble Steven. So uh, Steven then gets the idea to collect all the watermelon Stevens and bring them over to the Funland Pier and basically give them away to, to, to everybody in town. But Sadie kind of comes by and gives him $5 and says, like, no, like, this is a cool business. Like, you know, uh, you you should sell these things and get some money out of it. You know, they're really cool looking. And, of course, we have classic Ronaldo. Your favorite character. Doing probably what a lot of people do and, and talk out what they're, ty- what they're typing. Mm-hmm. Being a deep and- bro. Exactly. And being really <laughs> slow and obnoxious about it. Um, you love him so much. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's not get too sidetracked. Let's not okay, get, let's go, not, ahead, go ahead. Let's, go let's ahead, let my hatred go. wait for another episode. Okay, so after Ronaldo finds out that Steven's only selling them for $5, the entire town bombards Steven and... and Steven managed to get a lot of $2 bills. If you notice, there are a lot of $2 bills that they have. And with that, uh, Onion comes out from underneath the table. How long he's been there, I have no idea. But he also wants a watermelon, Steven. However, the only one is left is Baby Watermelon. Or was it Baby Steven? And Steven obviously is not willing to sell his baby because he wants to keep it. But then Onion takes it. And Steven then chases after Onion. The baby melon comes to life, jumps out of Onion's arms, and runs back to Steven. And this is when Steven realizes that the watermelons are actually alive. Now, it's important to note earlier, because I I left this out. After Steven calls the gems over to take a look at the melons, and Pearl and Garden explain how how Rose could uh, actually bring plants to life as like and use them as her defenders so they were she would create sentient plants as uh fighters and so now that they're alive steven goes uh, throughout all of town giving people their money back and taking the watermelons um and uh, when steven tries to get his melon from ronaldo ronaldo kind of smacks him with a spatula and immediately all the melons uh turn to beat up Ronaldo, which best scene, <laughs> best scene throughout the entire episode, in my opinion. I thought we we're gonna uh, shelf your your hatred. Uh, so, whose hatred? That was mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was gonna dissect a live watermelon. He deserves it. All right. Everybody. And he was gonna record it on live leaks. Basically, you heard it, audience. You deserve it if you dissect a live watermelon. That includes you, cat. So. so from there after he gets the watermelons and after they start beating up Ronaldo he you know Steven's like no 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 no, stop it and then he runs back to the 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 house and forms the the gems that his melons are now back to life and that they're hurting people (laughs) I I know I know I realized I realized my turn of phrase there but Bear with me. Oh my god, I'm such a fucking 12 year old. (laughs) 
Wow, you weren't even talking about anything. You just dropped the f bomb right there. <laughs> tisk tisk. Uh, Will we go an episode without an f bomb? I don't know. Do Stay to tuned. A, do I have to put money in a swear jar? Yep. Yep. Um. So is going, that, going is, forward here, is anybody keeping track about how with how many f bombs I'm actually dropping? Because like. I would like somebody to actually count these and let me know how much I owe. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll figure that out later. <laughs> <laughs> so after he says, uh, tells the gems that the melons are alive and that they're hurting people, Pearl tells Stephen to get in the house and she like puts her hands on his shoulders and immediately the melons are uh, battle ready, ready to attack the gems. And this causes a battle between the gems and the melons. However, there is a huge army of melons and there's only three gems. And they manage to actually overpower the gems until Steven uh, tries to break up the fighting. And to do this, he's like talking to Baby Melon, asking what to do. And Baby Melon seems to know what to do. So Baby Melon punches Steven, which causes all the watermelons to then turn on Baby Melon uh, thus sacrificing himself for Steven and to get the fighting to stop. And this greatly upsets Stevens and he calls upon the melons and sends them away, telling them to think about what they've done. And then the melons turn away and they all go their separate directions. Some go into the ocean, some walk into town, some walk like along the beach. And that's it. And then Steven proceeds to eat the remains of baby melon. And it was which is hor- horrifying. The most horrifying image we've gotten yet. It's funny because Pearl even gives him a look at the end. She's like, what? Are you serious? Well, I think Pearl will give him that look for eating anything because she hates Not- eating. Yeah, but she knows that Steven needs to eat because he's half human. I think it was the fact that they just had this big ordeal with the watermelons and then he proceeds to just eat the watermelon. Yep. But now what does he what does he do with the seeds? Because every time he eats them. I wonder no, I I think that if he just eats them, they won't turn into watermelon Steven. No, but I mean like he eats the watermelon. So now what does he do with the seeds that he has in his mouth? Because when he spits them out, he's gonna make more watermelon Stevens. He could swallow them. I feel like that's a bad idea. You never know until you try it. Alright, why don't you go go swallow some watermelon seeds and tell me what happens. Sure, I'll do that. For science. For science. So, this episode, um, I think it's a lot more about um, sort of, if we go back to the centipedal episode where the gems were sort of seeing centipedal as this aggressive force and Steven was trying to get everybody to understand that um, Centipedal could be recent with and could be like tamed. I think we could definitely draw a parallel between Centipedal and the melons in this episode. I think in this case, um, the gems are reacting the very same way. As soon as they get an inkling of the possibility that Steven might be in danger, they're only solution is a violent one. And we see Steven sort of struggling with 
finding diplomatic solutions, which I think will be something that we will explore more and more as the series goes on. But right now, he doesn't have a solution. And it's baby Steven that saves the day. And the sort of solution that this episode gives us is, you know, sometimes these issues, because we don't have an answer, there has to be something like a martyr or, or like this big sort of strong offense to happen for for people to sort of get back together and reassess their values. And I think this is something that happened with the melons in this episode. Um, and I really think, you know, I don't think Stephen handled it to the best of his capacity, especially when he tells this, the watermelons to sort of, you know, go away and think about what you've done. Like, he's not giving them the tools to really understand what just happened, especially considering this, we have no idea how intelligent these watermelons are. I think we, we can say they're pretty intelligent by sort of baby Steven's sort of actions, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, honestly, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing of like wondering just how exactly these watermelons are. I mean, clearly they have some sort of, uh, they have a pretty average, I would say at least an average sense of intelligence considering uh, they were able to quickly identify when their creator was, you know, being threatened or under attack. And they were quick to, to, to go into action with that. They also seem to have uh, unified attack formations. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's another thing. And then, when, again, with, with Baby Melon, like when Steven asks it a question about what to do, it's thinking and it knows what it needs to do. And that's why it uh, chooses to become a martyr. Yeah. Like it, 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 it had enough of a mental capacity to think of a solution and then decide that that is the best solution and then act upon it. So I don't know. I say that they're, I say they're, they're, they're pretty smart. I would say, I wouldn't say they're as smart as Steven necessarily. Yeah. But I would say that they have probably similar intelligence considering they are essentially Steven's children. Yeah. And obviously these melons don't have a nervous system. So I would guess whatever they have in terms of sentience is something that they inherited from Steven in a way. I just, I just wonder, you know, Steven is letting the, this giant population of melon people just roam free without understanding what that impact might be especially considering the only interactions we've had with them have been like sort of um violent interactions and so i think steven created these beings and to some point we have to think about how much responsibility he's actually taking for them if he's just telling them to you know to go away and think about what they've done and you know it makes you wonder: Will he come back to that? Will he visit them to see how they do, how, how they've done since then? I don't know. It remains to be seen as of now. I, I mean, at some point, it seems that uh, Stephen just. 
I mean, and it just seems odd that Steven doesn't seem to understand that he has that like yes i understand he's still kind of growing in his powers and he knows that he has as he said magic spit Mm -hmm. um but it seems kind of i want to i want to say irresponsible Mm -hmm. for um just to to kind of be like well okay you guys go away and think about what you did yeah um and I think these are one of those situations where he should have pulled the gems together and say, okay, so you know mom has done stuff like this before, so what does she do in situations like this? Because now I have this whole sort of, like, colony of people. Yeah. Um. And I don't know what to do with them. And... And we've seen and, and what this, happens uh, when these these sort of vegetable communities sort of they're not taken care of. We've seen it in in Rosa's Moss, and when they go to the fountain, there's this like these vines that sort of attack people. Yeah. So we it's not like we don't have a precedent for these, and and the sort of consequence this could have. So he has to figure out now. You know, what's the next step? Yeah. And I think this is, this is a problem that the, the gems weren't, weren't thinking that they actually had to deal with because Rose dealt with that and Rose. And I think this is one of those moments where they keep, they keep thinking, well, Rose always did it. Rose handled it. And it's that, that, um, concept of well we always did it that way that is the that is the huge problem yeah well just because you always did it that way this is a new situation steven is part organic matter part crystal (laughs) and he doesn't know how to be rose yeah so yeah there's a lot of, of stuff that that needs to be um settled and and Discussed and they just sort of let it roam free without questioning it or the, its its repercussions. Mm-hmm. So and then Stephen, as a god, shows us that cannibalism is good. I guess. <laughs> um, what do you mean cannibalism? He's not a melon. But he was now, a baby the melons Stephen. Are- yeah, but I mean, if the melons are eating their own kind, then that's cannibalism. That's not cannibalism. No, that's true. He's just eating his creation. Yeah, it, it's okay. Maybe it's more like ritual sacrifice would be good. Think of it like to feed Kronos. Our God. Yeah. No, think of it like Kronos, where he eats his own children. That's what Stephen just did. Well, he actually he just took a bite out of him. Okay. Greg brutally murdered one before it was born. Yeah. By stepping on it accidentally. Mm-hmm. Wow, this episode is dark. <laughs> yep. If you if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's no bueno. Yeah. It's like I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Hilda, a, a series in Netflix. No. It's, it's really good animated series on like Nordic mythology. And it has a lot of nice messages. And one of the plot lines surrounds the idea of what happens when you're like 
this it, when you're a giant and you step on communities without even noticing it because you're not looking uh you're not looking down at your feet to see what what's happening <laughs> but they do it in such a humane fashion and it's it's actually very it's very beautiful it, uh, i don't want to spoil anything but yeah <laughs> it's that thing of like imagine if you if there were gnomes living in your house and they had like tiny towns living in in your floorboards Uh And you didn't notice them. So you've always been stepping on them. And it's sort of that once you know they're there, what do you do with that responsibility? I mean, you still have to walk around your house. Yeah. And so I I really liked the way they treated that, this same concept. And I would definitely recommend it for anyone um, to watch that series. It's very short and it's amazing. Okay. So... So watermelon Stevens. I think I think that's pretty much. Okay. We're, yeah, I say that pretty much covers it. I don't I don't think there really is much to say left about watermelons. All right. So last but not least, definitely not least, is not. Lion Three straight to video. Not the leastiest. Not the leastiest. Yeah. Nope. All right. All right. So Lion Three straight to video. Um, Steven is at the Big Donut. He's trying to decide on what to, what to buy, what to, what to get to eat. He's caught between a donut and, but he wants to try something different. Uh, he has Lion with him and Lion wants some Lion liquors, which are totally gross. And so when Steven tries to get Lion away from the fridge of the Lion liquors, he notices that there's a lot of these bags in the the cooler that have Sadie's name on them. He questions them. Sadie says that they're lunches that her mother packed and she would just store them in there. And so Steven asks if he could take one and she's like, yeah, sure. But you know, just be careful because some of those have been in there for a few months. So that clearly means that even though Sadie's mom is packing these lunches, Sadie is just letting this food go to waste. She doesn't even bother trying to eat it. And I think that's absolutely horrible. <laughs> going forward uh steven comes uh back to the house he's like showcasing all the food that was in sadie's lunch and as he's eating this star cookie after he made some uh terrible play on words uh he looks up at the painting of rose and he starts questioning like you know oh well i wonder what she would have made me for lunch if you know if she was here um, and this is when Lion now starts getting extra cuddly and trying to push Steven into his mane. Uh, and so with this, uh, Steven just thinks, you know, Lion's just being really cute. He makes a bed for Lion, but Lion jumps in his bed, kicks him off, tries to go to sleep, and then he wakes up in like this weird pink dimension. Mm-hmm. He does, he is not sure what's going on, but he somehow realizes that he can't breathe and he struck and then it flashes into the real world and you see that Steven that the lion is actually on top of Steven and then Pearl uh gets him gets him free. And with this he discovers that Pearl actually watches him sleep very often and manages to shoo Lion and Pearl away and tries to go back to sleep, but Lion keeps getting on top of Steven and putting him in his mane. Um, and, and Steven keeps getting transported back to this, this furry pink dimension. 
Uh, after and then after a few attempts to try to get Lion to stop, um, he realizes that uh, Lion actually does care about him. He goes to hug Lion and then, while being fully awake, gets transported back into the pink dimension. And, and then Steven realizes that he's actually in Lion's mane because before he just felt like he was dreaming when he was transported back, transported into the main. So after he explores the you know, the little world here, he discovers this little hill uh, that has a single tree on it and has all these memorabilia. Among all the memorabilia here, he discovers a videotape that says, For Steven. And with that, Steven then goes to the Big Donut. It's early in the morning, and he tells Sadie... Uh, he whispers something in Sadie's ear, and Sadie lets him inside, and they immediately go to the back room, and they pop the, the video cassette into the VHS player and it's actually a video uh, that Rose and Greg had recorded for Steven and this is where we hear and see Rose for the very first time and after Greg does his introduction and there's a little bit of you know tomfoolery with with Greg and and the beach and everything tomfoolery uh, I know right <laughs> Uh, Rose then turns the camera over and talks to Steven directly and states that, you know, we both can't exist. And so I'm going to give up my form so I can be a part of you. And so that every time that you love you yourself, that is me loving you and loving being you. And you're going to be something absolutely remarkable. You're going to be a human being. And then it, you know, Rose sets the camera down and walks over to Greg and we see Rose clearly pregnant. And then uh, Rose and Greg are about to share a kiss when the camera dies, thus ending the video. And this is where uh, Steven now has some sort of, uh, what would you say? He feels like now he's gaining some sort of connection with his mom and, and, Sadie kind of gets the same way after seeing this heartfelt video and then proceeds to call her mom at the very end of the episode. And tell her that she doesn't have to stop making her lunches. <laughs> well, she didn't say that, but she says, do you remember how you used to make me those lunches? And yeah, that's the end of the episode. So I, I just wanted to say that I feel like this episode is very, it, you know, I remember when we were talking about um, this this episode in particular, our, our 16th episode here, and we were trying to figure out what to do because we knew that, um, you know, Watermelon, Stevens, and Garnet Universe wasn't very psych-heavy. And we were even saying that Lion 3 wasn't even that heavy into the psychology, but then, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, you know what, this episode is actually very, very important because, you know... Uh, especially for, for kids who, you know, lose a parent when they're very, very young. Mm -hmm. And so they don't really have or don't really remember that connection that they have. And then they come across something that, let's say, the parent left behind for that child. Or they come across something that was very meaningful to that parent. And, you know, they see it and they understand it or, or they gain information, they learn about it. and now that child is now feeling closer to the parent that they don't have with them anymore. And I, in, in this episode, 
you know, this video and now knowing that there's this huge tree with all this stuff from Rose, uh, you know, that's all stuff that Rose left behind and now Stevie can see it. Stevie can get a better insight as to how his mother was and to have this video where she's speaking directly to him and he can see her. You know, that's something that is I feel like is very important. And this actually made a very, very big impact on Steven because now, you know, he's finally after, you know, 13 years connected with his mother in a way that's uh, different than just having her gem and having some of her powers. I, I, I don't think I could have done any justice to the the way you did it. Yes, I I think I I actually <laughs> agree with you so much. Like this episode is it's actually one of my favorite episodes of the series. This is one of those episodes where you watch it and you're like, "Wow, this series is not just for kicks. It's it's really like it, it goes deep into sort of very emotional and, and strong ground when it, in terms of like family and loss and sort of psychological themes. Um, is there something like, do you think there's something like a, a, a symbolism to the fact that Steven can't breathe whenever he goes to this pink dimension Aside from any theories as to why why he why is it that he can't breathe or anything like that? Well, uh, wait. I'm sorry. Can you repeat what you just said? Do you think there's like any any form of symbolism as to the fact that every time Stephen enters this sort of main dimension with everything that that his mother sort of had, and it's sort of all this memorabilia, why he can't breathe in this this location? You you don't want like an actual explanation as to why he can't breathe in that. Well, because I mean I could spin it. I can totally spin something and and make some sort of loose connection. Do both. Do it. Do both. Okay, so I'm gonna start with the actual thing. I I probably the most likely reason as to why he can't breathe in this space is because this is a gem thing. Gems don't need to breathe, so therefore it doesn't matter that there's no air in there. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I feel like that's the main reason as to why Steven can't breathe in there. Now to kind of spin this along through like some sort of like emotional thing in terms of the memorabilia and, and him making a connection to this. I feel like the emotions that Steven has towards his mother were so very mixed and, and confusing to him because he doesn't know how to feel about her. He's never met her. Doesn't know really anything about her other than what the gems and, and Greg has told him. And now he has these memorabilia, which means now he has access to the little snippets uh, and memories that uh, Rose has left behind. Because obviously Rose can't leave behind everything, but these were very key, very important moments. And I feel like maybe a reason why he like why he wouldn't be able to breathe in in this sense, and uh, is that you know it's just an overwhelming of emotion. Because now he sees this stuff and he realizes that, you know, all this stuff was my mother's. You know, there's this chest with, you know, you don't know what it has. There's a picture of of Rose and Greg. There's her sword. There's the Mr. Universe t-shirt hanging from the branch. Like, all of that would just be kind of like 
to have all of this now suddenly put on him, it's like an overwhelming of emotion, not necessarily bad emotions, but just a lot of different emotions are now hitting Steven at one point. Or I'm sorry, at, at the same time mm-hmm. that, you know, it can just be kind of like, it can be kind of like get caught up in your throat. Like you just, the air gets caught. Like you can't breathe yeah. because you're, you're just having that huge wave of emotions just washing over you. Especially when now that this is apparent, one that, you know, he has no sort of physical connection with other than the gem. How'd I do? I think that's great. I mean, it's also, it's also the, I, I, another interpretation would be maybe it's the fact that like, this is a place where he doesn't particularly belong. Is this is sort of like an intrusive moment, like reading somebody's diary. And I think when you said like, literally, this is a gem thing. I think this could also be symbolically like a gem thing. You know, this is part something that he can't access because part of himself or his biology or who he is was never meant to be there. I don't think this was a space particularly created for Stephen as perhaps the rooms inside the the temple, even though they belong to the other gems, like Stephen can still breathe inside of them because they have made it into a space where Steven can exist, right? Yeah. Um, so I think this is another way we could interpret it. But I, I just found it sort of like this detail that they didn't have to put in there, but they did. So I just feel this need to want to interpret everything. Because I could talk about this episode for so long. I think that's uh, that's always been a question I wanted to ask Rebecca Sugar. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just like in space. Yeah, I mean, it could just be that 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 it's in space. Um, but I do love that when he goes in there, the grass is always blowing. Like there's always this wind that's blowing. Yeah. So it looks like there's a breeze, but he can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And it could be that moment of, you know, if we're going through that symbolic moment of um emotional resonance where it catches your breath um realizing that you're standing in the spot where your mother has stood before so um being being in your mother's shoes at that point yeah um and that's what's literally taken his breath away. Um, but yet there's no moment of reconciliation with that that allows him to breathe. So, so no matter what, even though the, uh, even though Lion is his, um, the world that his mother has created within Lion's mane will always be his line his his mother's sanctum his mother's safe spot yeah. and and will pretty much always sort of be off limits for for Steven yeah just like at least Rose's that's, that's room. just kind of how I feel yeah just just like Rose's <laughs> room in in the temple I mean mm-hmm. maybe that room should sort of belong to Steven but it's not. It, it doesn't belong to Stephen. It belongs to Rose. And even when Rose is gone, 
they they don't repurpose this space for Steven. It's just well, it's it's, and I think that's where it becomes the. So this is where we go back to the comment I made before. The all the gems continue to do the well. This is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, these are inanimate objects. These are sort of objects without that extra conscious that can say there's a difference. I mean, Lion knows there's a difference, but still the the area doesn't know there's a difference. So the only thing that realizes that Stephen is Steven, is Lion. Yeah. Everything else is going by Rose's gem. Mm-hmm. So the room is just giving Steven the, a room in the, in the, uh, oh my God, in the temple because Rose has a room. And when it scans the crystal, it goes, oh, this is Rose's crystal. So we're giving it Rose's room. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at some point, maybe Stephen can figure out how to work it so that he can make his own room there or to make Rose's room his room. Yeah, but we're not there yet. But we're not there yet. I, When I was writing the notes for this episode, I really want to go in sort of the archaeological aspect of this episode. The fact that he's sort of looking at his mother's life um, in a sort of archaeological way. She, he's looking at all these artifacts and trying to piece together who his mother was. And part of what definitely sort of skewed my view on this episode is Stephen's conversation with Dog Copter, <laughs> the number one underdog character of this episode. Mm-hmm. Get it? I I used a pun. Yes. Okay. Anyways, we're gonna we're going to ignore your pun. Go ahead. Okay. So Stephen says, "Like, holy doc 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 copter, why are you so like cool and amazing and awesome, or something like that?" And then doc copter gives him this jewel of advice, which which is, "Don't focus so much on talent, Stephen. Making art." is all about communication. A piece of art is a conversation. Every choice you make is a statement. Don't worry about labels or conforming to a standard. Just be true to yourself and people will appreciate your honesty. Now, this is something that appears very randomly in the episode and it seems to be like devo- it, it seems to be out of context especially considering this is like a dream that Steven is having. Mm-hmm. But then I want to pit that against the fact that uh, the very like impactful point of this episode is a home video made by Rose. And so Rose wasn't in- intending to do something like talented or or to make this complete work of art. Rose was just genuinely showing us the world through her lens, through through her sort of point of view, and that's what we see in this video. 
And so I really wanted to discuss sort of like a scene by scene um, discussion of the, what that video shows us about Rose. Is that okay? I don't know if we need, really need to, but okay. Yes, we do. Okay, so according to the wiki... Oh, God. Um, the, He's busting out the wiki, folks. Yeah, according oh, to the wiki, God. the video was originally going to be Greg filming Rose. And so, but they they changed the idea for it to be Rose filming Greg and sort of everything because that would give us this perspective of like, we're seeing the world through her eyes. And so the video starts with just this random panoramic shots of like the sea foam gathering on the beach or like um, just a crab wandering in, in, in the beach. And it, it, is, it really sh shows us what Rose valued. And that's just, she just valued life and like nature and everything that surrounded her. And when she starts talking, she says like, you know, this world is filled with so many possibilities. Each living being has an entirely unique experience. And this is something that really sort of brings me to how much I love uh, Steven Universe. The fact that it's just one of its main lessons is that what gives life value is just the fact that it's unique. And just the fact that it that it's actually there and living and existing as its own entity. And that's something that it's very hard for all of us to sort of really come to grips with in our daily lives. We feel like we're not special. Sometimes we feel like Ronaldo, where we we feel like, you know, if I don't get these goals that I have made for myself. Um, accomplished, it means that I am less worth existing in this world, or like I'm I'm not as important. And this is not how Rose sees the world. And I think this is very key to to sort of what makes this episode so heartwarming, because she tells Stephen, and in a way, this is that's a message for everyone, just even the audience, like. When we love ourselves, we are sort of promoting, we are promoting the fact that, you know, this whole world is supposed to love itself. Okay, I'm ranting. Just, I'm, I just find this, <laughs> this episode so beautiful. And when she says like, you know, I'm going to become half of you, which in a biological sense, like if we were talk, if we were talking about humans, then yeah, our mother would compose half of our genes, right? Mm -hmm. And so she says, like, I want you to know that every moment you love being yourself, that's me loving you, loving being you, because you're going to have, you're going to be something extraordinary. You're going to be a human being. And this is something that, that really resonates with me. The fact that, you know, from generation to generation, we pass this, the human condition. And, Every time we love ourselves, we're loving sort of this this hierarchy or this um, uh, phylogeny. Is there like a less pretentious word? Um, you know, we're probably is, but I don't know. 
Okay. So yeah, um, um, <laughs> like all our our history, our our parents and our grandparents and everything else, part of them is with us. And every time we love ourselves, we are sort of promoting love for for you know what we used to be, what the the parts of our history that eventually turned out in us being created. And I think that's a beautiful message that we should all love ourselves. And that's a way to sort of remember, uh, to sort of live up to the our, our own existence. I don't know. It's I, I think I went a bit too deep. But there's just a lot I want to say. Save it for the forums, which everyone else can do as well over at uh, Geek Therapy or forum.geektherapy.com. Yes. Um, Does anybody have anything else to say about this episode? No, I think you said everything. And I said (laughs) a lot of... of Oh, I'm getting so tangled lately. Um, yeah, I mean this this episode had a lot of feels, and um, I know this. So I'm going to go in a different direction just briefly, mm-hmm. um, because I do know someone who has a very negative relationship with their family, mm-hmm. um, and has an extremely toxic relationship with their mother. Um. And has a child of their own. And in seeing this episode, so they're new to Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so in watching this episode, they literally had to put Steven Universe on hold and shelve it for like a little bit. Okay. Because this episode brought back, like, this episode is completely full of feels. Um, but it brought back all the emotional abuse that they had suffered at the hands of their parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the person who was supposed to be their caregiver, the person who was supposed to be the one who um, comforted them, who loved them, who took care of them. Um, and that comment that says that those moments when you love yourself it are those moments where I'm loving you, it, you know, they don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this episode is very hard for people in general who have very negative relationships with a caregiver for that specific reason. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's, I'm guessing. And I think this, this relation, this conversation, this, I'm sorry, this episode is good to bring up conversations on what type of relationship do you want with your caregivers? Because in all honesty, and, and we said it before, you know, you guys are not my blood family, but you guys have become my family in just all the work that we do together. And I've had situations where I've, literally just ranted to you and you guys have ranted to me when we've needed each other. Um, but we've become family for one another. Um, and sometimes that's, that's all we need. Sometimes we don't need the family that we're born into. And of an episode like this tends to bring that back, those thoughts back for some people, if they haven't gotten the help 
to um, to help heal from from those traumas. So this person is going through the whole thing of like, oh my God, I don't ever want to do this to my kid. And what if I screw up just the way my mom did? And you're going, you can't if you've realized that that's what you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is, I, I'm thinking part of why it's so painful. It's just because this is an example of how things should be. And this is something that actually Rebecca Sugar discusses that, you know, a lot of sort of fantasy revolves around a sort of power fantasy of like, you know, I may not be strong, but if I train enough, I can sort of destroy evil and mm -hmm. all of that. And Rebecca Sugar says that her fantasy is that with conversation, with love, eventually everybody can sort of build a community and love each other. And she knows that's not exactly true for everyone. Like mm -hmm. there are families where that's just not a possibility and you have to create your own family outside of that space because it's just too toxic. But she says yeah. like, she wants to live and she wants to give that fantasy to kids and to whoever watches the show to sort of give them hope that that world or those people that will listen to you when when you have disagreements, those people who will listen to you when you're in pain, they're out there. And you don't have to stay in a situation that is toxic and you can grow and you can move past and beyond that. And yeah, I think part of what makes this episode so beautiful is that this is how things should be. This is how a caregiver should talk to to their child, you know? In, in a very yeah. idealistic way. So, um, so, so John had all the positive spin and of course I had to put the negative spin. Sorry, everybody. No, but I don't think it's like a negative spin. It's, <laughs> no, I, I'm very honest. Like, I don't think this is a negative spin. I think this is a real spin, you know, because I, I'm very, you know, I went into psychiatry because I love talking about mental illness and it's not because I love, you know, b people being negative and being, yeah. I just think these is, this is what yeah, life, this is, but this is, this is what everybody needs every once in a while. And I, and I love this again, I love this episode because this episode, I mean, again, it's not always going to bring hope because there are going to be people who are going to be, why didn't I have this? But it will bring conversation. Yeah. Um, and and, w and it will help you sort of process your own feelings, even if it is painful. Mm -hmm. um, because um, sometimes, you know, these feelings, you have to come to grips with them. And you have to understand that you are going to get through it. And if you just pretend that everything's okay and everything's like fine and dandy, you, you'll be doing yourself a great disservice. And sometimes you need this sort of fantasies to sort of show you that, you know, life right now isn't at that point for you. Like, this isn't your experience. And it sort of puts it, that stark contrast helps you start a discussion. You know? Yep. And that's also why these sort of things in these episodes and these series are so important for us because they bridge discussion.
So I think that is the end of our three episodes. Anything else? I'm okay. Mark, are you good? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all set. Okay. All right. So, um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast on this somber note. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I hope all of you feel loved because we love you, our listeners. And please talk to us and let us know how much you, if, if you like this podcast, if there's anything that resonates with you, you can drop a review. Sorry. Drop a review. Yeah, drop a review. Talk to us on the Geek Therapy Forums. Um, on Discord. On Discord. <laughs> anywhere. Let us know. Or on Twitter. And our Twitter handles are in the show notes. I'm at CatMFT. John is at Psychogonically. And Mark is at Queeties96. I will put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening. And goodbye. Bye. Bye, guys.